Hey, this is Joseph Massonary. I'm the pastor at Cornerstone, and this is our podcast. I want to thank you for joining us today. I hope this inspires you. I hope this helps you build your faith. I hope in some way that God will challenge you with a new perspective as you listen. Enjoy the message. Well, good morning. We are in week two of our series, and we have called this series The Sold Out Summer. Uh, Today we're going to continue on. Do you have a Bible today? Anybody have a Bible? Four of us? Ten of us? A hundred of us? Let's go. right, let's break out a Bible, and would you open it up to Hebrews uh, chapter 11. Hebrews chapter 11, and as we get going, we want to welcome those that might be streaming with us. Welcome on this holiday weekend. We want to, all of those that you're here in person, you're not on vacation yet. Um, Summer travel hasn't started for you that are here, so we are glad that you are here with us. Um, But we want to just uh, encourage you to jump in every week this summer. We're going to go through Hebrews chapter 11 and and talk about a lot of these heroes of the faith. Um, But even if you are traveling, you know, you can jump in, jump on YouTube um, and and make sure that you're, you're tracking with us every every Sunday. Today's message is on a, a man. He was a shepherd. He had an older brother named Cain. Uh, his name is Abel, and hashtag watch out. I kind of did like a, a running dad joke for the title. I said he's an able man of worship. Do you get it? Do you get it? Do you get it? What we spelled able. It's not funny if you have to explain it, is it? That's what, we, like, that's what my kids probably tell me, right? But as we get into Hebrews, this chapter of the Bible, this book of the Bible, the author of Hebrews, he addresses people who are ready to quit. Um, and I thought, man, what a, a season for us, because we have seen over the last season of life that, that, man, there have been people who have quit on relationships, and people who have quit jobs, and people who have quit parenting, people who have quit a marriage, and even sadly, um, people have quit churches like crazy or maybe hop to a different one or whatever it might be, but also, sadly, worst of all, people have quit on their faith. People have quit on their faith in this season, and the author of Hebrews, he writes to these people who have been suffering. Uh, The people in Hebrews have been persecuted. They've been taken out of their homes. They've been dragged away. They've been killed for their faith, and so Hebrews 11 addresses those who are thinking about, you know what, maybe this Maybe this Jesus thing just isn't for me anymore. And the writer of of Hebrews uses chapter 11 to not only encourage people way back when, but this chapter is still relevant for us today because how many of you uh, get inspired when you see something heroic take place? Anybody here? I think that's why, I mean, even today, come on now, we love hero movies, Anybody here love some, some, right, Infinity War series? Whatever it is, it's like we love stories about heroes. It inspires us, right? It inspires us. And so Hebrews chapter 11, is, it's, it's meant for us to draw inspiration from those who have come before us. This first hero he's mentioned in, in chapter 11, verse 4, his name is Abel. And when you think of Abel, um, what... Would anybody like, what's the first thing we think about when we think of this man, this shepherd named Abel? You can get involved, just somebody just loudly shout it out. Like, what's Abel known for? Who said, was that murder? Yeah, he was, he was, he was murdered, right? Yeah, is that the first thing most of us think about, right? We, we, we think of his older brother Cain. He took his brother out. 
and he, he, um, he took his brother out, and it, it is the first murder recorded in, in Scripture. And so we, we think of that, but you know, also I think there's a little bit of Romans 12.1 in this story, because Romans 12.1 talks about urging us, because of God's mercy, because of God's grace, to present our bodies everything we are is a living sacrifice and therefore it being a spiritual act of worship, a spiritual service of worship. We think of Abel as a man who was murdered by his older brother Cain, but oftentimes as I was kind of studying this week, I realized, you know what, the reason he was murdered, it might catch some of us by surprise. The reason he was killed, it may surprise you this morning. Abel was killed because he offered God a pleasing act of worship. Abel was killed because of his worship. Would you, right? Think about that for just a moment. Abel was killed because of the way he worshiped God. His brother became jealous and he was killed because of his worship. We're going to dig into this story. And, and the writer, the author of Hebrews, assumes that we are very familiar with these Old Testament characters. And so this morning, as we jump from the New Testament of Hebrews, we're going to go all the way back to the book of Genesis. Would you turn your Bible? Do you have a real thing today? You got the digital thing? Whatever you have, would you open up your Bible to Genesis chapter 4? Would you turn on your smartphone to Genesis chapter 4? I don't know why I still enjoy saying that. I heard some pastor one time say, turn on your Bible. And I just like saying that. It's stuck, right? But would you open it, Genesis chapter 4, verse 2, and I will encourage you, you could make verses 1 through 15, 1 through 16, you could make that kind of your, your devotional time this week, if you, if you get up and get alone with God, and, and uh, we're, we're going to kind of do verses 2 through 12, and let's get into the Word this morning. Are you ready to get into it? I think we had a good time of worship. Worship kind of prepares our hearts for God's Word to move and for God's scripture to speak. So let's ask him to come today and speak like only he can. Verse two, would you read it with me? When they grew up, they being Cain and Abel, Abel became a shepherd while Cain cultivated the ground. When it was time for the harvest, Cain presented some of his crops as a gift to the Lord. Verse four, Abel also brought a gift, the best portions of the firstborn lambs from his flock. The Lord accepted Abel and his gift, but check it out in verse 5, but the Lord did not accept Cain and his gift. This made Cain very angry, and he looked dejected. Here's, here's the situation. These, these boys, these young men, are the first people who didn't get to live in the, really, they didn't get to live in the perfect environment that God created for their parents, Adam and Eve. These are the men, that, like, and, and think of this, any parents in the house, grandparents in the house, shout me down, be like, I'm a grandparent, woohoo, no, some of us, if you're a parent in the house, say, you're, you're not going to say woohoo because you're tired, right, you're like, I'm, I'm sleepy, um, but I'm here, right, and I'm ready, to, I'm ready to worship, but these young men, you know what, it's interesting about these two, is their parents knew God, watch, like, think about that. Like, not only did their parents know God, not only did they grow up in a, we could say, they grew up in a godly home, their parents walked with God in the garden. Hello? Right? Like, they walked with God. They knew what it was to honor God. They grew up in a God-honoring home. But these men showed up to worship, and only one, uh, uh, one of them, uh, only one of their worship was acceptable to God. 
right? Is it possible today that it's like, man, we show up to worship, but our act of worship isn't even really something God wants anything to do with? Both these men brought an offering, yet only one of them pleased God with their offering. Only one of them pleased God with their worship. First thing this morning, would you write this down in your notes or pull out your notes on your smartphone? If you go into our, our media section, you can take them right there. But number one, and, I, and, and, and folks, I had somebody at first service tell me, man, you hit me with that first point like you hit, it was just for me. And I told her, I said, no, 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 it was actually really for me, right? I'm telling you what, number one, here we go, write this down. You might be like, this applies to the, the guy who's teaching? Absolutely. Just showing up doesn't please God. Would you write that down this morning? Just showing up doesn't please God. These brothers, they both show up, but we clearly see that showing up isn't enough. They both come to worship, but their worship isn't necessarily enough. From this passage, we can conclude that there are types of worship God will accept and types of worship that is pleasing to him, and there's types of worship that God will not accept, and there's types of worship that are displeasing to him. Cain arrived. He showed up. He arrived to the party with his sacrifice, but it's interesting, his worship, right? Would you agree with this? His worship, we could say, was totally rejected. And I think sometimes, and again, this point was for me, I was convicted as I'm reading this scripture. We do this in church today. It's like some of us show up with an offering of praise. I think of that man, oh, goodness, I miss hearing him yelp in first or second service. I think of Matthew Baker. Anybody remember, like, that man never showed up. He never, I would say... I would dare to say he maybe never wasted a Sunday, right? He didn't, he didn't ever waste God's time on a Sunday, and yet I find myself being convicted like, God, were you pleased with my act of worship today, or was my heart, was my mind somewhere else, right? Just because we show up. Cain arrived, he showed up, but man, sometimes some of us show up with an offering of worship, and some of us just show up. Some days we do that. In modern times, I think we could see God, like I could see, hear God speaking to me like, Joey, you attended today, but what is it, what, what do you want me to do with that attitude that you had? Right? What, what do you want me to do with that worship, right? And I think it's possible that God could look at us today and he would put it in these terms and say like, you showed up, but it, it could be that you just wasted my time and your time today, Right? And that might sound really harsh coming, right? And, and again, that, 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 that comment from first service, this lady, she said, man, you were, you were getting me. And I said, no, 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 I was, God was speaking that to me, right? And I think about that some Sundays. Where's all my worship team people in the house, right? Where, there's some of them in here. I, I, our worship team, we're, we, we try to arrive, like seven, arrive at 7.45, 7.50. And I thought of this, like sometimes... There's mornings, man, where, and if they, they might laugh about this, but it's like, I walk in, I'm, like, I was thinking, man, sometimes I show up to worship God, and I'm, I'm 10 minutes late, I got my coffee, I got sandwiches to share with the guys, but I'm like, just kind of mosey on in, while everybody, they've been on time, they're ready to pray, they're like, hey, we're ready to go, and there's times where, like, sometimes it's my worship, is that type of worship, is that type of arrival, is that pleasing to God, right? And I think sometimes even for us on Sundays, like we would never show up to church 10 minutes late. Never, right? Right? It's like we would never just kind of like, oh God, I'm here. I'm ready to go, right? And for me, I'm convicted. Even on Sundays, am I coming here ready to offer God something, ready to offer a real sacrifice, ready to offer him my best? Is, 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 my, is my worship pleasing? Because Cain showed up 
But sometimes I think, man, if I'm not careful, I show up with an attitude that's just like Cain's. I just kind of, you know what, God, this, this might be some fruit that fell off the tree. This might be some cabbage from the ground. I'm just going to give you my scraps. I'm going to give you what's easy. I'm not going to really sacrifice my time or my energy or my money. Anything really, I'm just going to give you what is convenient. And God, do what you will with this. Would you, you know, be pleased with this? Is that, just, is that attitude just with me sometimes? Or can anybody here relate to like, God, I'm, I'm here at church. I showed up. I might have been a, a, a little late, but you should be thankful that I am here. Right? And sometimes we even think of that like with our spouse, right? Like, like hubby, you should be happy I made it today. Or, or wife, you should be patting me on the back that I'm here, right? It's all so optional in our culture today. And here's a challenge that I just want to throw out there. And, and this is specifically for those, and I've been kind of thinking about this as, as men. You know, the Bible does say we are called to lead in our home. And you know what's so interesting about us culturally? It's like, uh, man, would you write this down in your notes, men, men in the house? Ladies, you can just leave this one where it's at. But guys in the house, if you lead your home in a fashion where church becomes optional to you, I promise you church will become unnecessary to your children. Did you hear that? Right? If it is an optional activity, I promise you your children will view it as it's totally unnecessary. It's like we get into this habit and my goodness, I can throw up like a, an easy bedtime prayer. Or it's like, I'm halfway through the meal. Oh, God, we, God, we, we're going to bless the food now, right? It's like we throw up these little prayers where it's like a little bit before a meal. And so we've all done this where I think we bring God an act of worship, but is it worship that he's actually pleased with? Is it worship that he is actually uh, going to want to participate in? I think sometimes we treat God the same way we treat our friends in conversations or at the dinner table or in the car. Have you guys ever had a friend or a family member? And I've had family members do this to me in the car as I'm driving. I've done this to other people. I've done this to family members. Have you ever been like midway in a conversation? And here we go. Think of, think of the way we treat God sometimes on a Sunday, right? Sometimes at the workplace. Sometimes in our homes. Sometimes as we lead our kids, right? Have you ever been in a conversation with someone? And for whatever reason, if I had my phone on me, I'd pull it out. But they just keep kind of scrolling through their phone as you're talking. Anybody here ever relate to that? Anybody ever looked over at somebody at like Applebee's or wherever you go to, wherever you frequent? Is Applebee's still around? I haven't been there in a while, right? Wherever you frequent. But have you ever been in a conversation with someone and it's like, man, they don't put their phone down. They just keep scrolling, scrolling, and they notice that you asked a question, and by the time they figured out you asked a question, they finally put the phone down and they say, oh, what, what was it you said? And you kind of, right? Does anybody here ever relate to that? And you feel like, you're like, geez, like, they weren't even lit. Like, what was the point of, of being together here? What was the point of this conversation? But unfortunately, I think that is oftentimes how I treat God. I think that's how you, how, how we sometimes fall in the habit where it's like, it's this optional relationship, but it's like, God, I always want more from you. God, I always want more energy from you. I want more wisdom from you. I want more blessing from you. I want more provision, provision for you. I always want more protection from you, but I'm, I'm, I'm comfortable just giving you whatever I have left over, right? I think oftentimes we worship a lot more like Cain than we do Able. And I'm challenged by this story to actually sacrifice something. To actually sacrifice something for God and to give him my best 
and that best creates a, a, a true form of worship that's pleasing to him. Number two this morning, would you write this down? Coming into God's presence, it always requires addressing sin. Coming into God's presence, it always requires addressing sin. A lot of times even, I, I don't even know why that it makes us sometimes uncomfortable to even talk about that topic in church, unfortunately, but both of these men, they brought an offering to worship. They brought an offering to the altar, and this is an Old Testament thing, folks, right? If, if you're kind of like in the Old Testament, the, the issue is like Cain and Abel were very, very well aware of the requirements, we may not be as much, right? But Cain and Abel were very well aware of what they needed to sacrifice and actually worship God. But like we often do, Cain, he kind of just decided, you know what, I'm going to worship God, but I'm going to kind of worship him the way that makes me comfortable. I'm going to worship him uh, in a way that, you know, I'm going to kind of set my own rules here as I worship God. And he's like, Cain's like, here it is, God, I got some fruit, I got some leftover cabbage, it might be getting old, right? Uh, And he placed them on the altar, and I think God is like, Cain, what am I going to do with that? If that's your heart towards me, Cain, what am I going to do with that? And then we look at Abel. Go back in, in, in in the verse with Abel. Abel brought what? Would you underline this? Would you circle it? The Bible says he brought the best of his flock. The Bible says he brought his firstlings. He brought the fat portions is what scripture says. It's it's like Abel shows up and he's like, God, I'm ready to worship. Let's go. God, I'm ready to give you my focus. Let's go. It's like we can even show up to, to work during the week. We don't offer him an act of worship. We're not ready to offer even in our workplace even on the couch with our kids, even as we cook and prepare dinner, whatever it is, are we offering God an act of worship that is pleasing to Him? I think of that, like, think of the types of people, like how we show up to church, right? Cain showed up. He's like, God, I've made it to church. I'm here. I'm ready. You do, your, you, do you, right? Whatever we could say culturally. And I think Abel, like, Abel showed up, he's like, boom, I'm ready to offer you my best. I, I, I thought of that during this service, right? When you guys remember, like Matthew Baker used to sit right over there. I don't think that man ever came to church and didn't offer God his best, right? It was like amazing. I'm like, wow, that was an act of worship. I'm like, goodness, challenged by that. In the Old Testament, sacrificing animals was how you address sin. Blood was how you addressed Sin And so for us today, it's like we have to think a little differently because that blood was addressed through the person of Jesus. And so when we worship, our worship must acknowledge Christ. Our worship must acknowledge God's Son because that is where we get right. But oftentimes, sometimes we just fall into the, the it's like, how many of us love going out to eat after church? love hanging out, love seeing the kids run around on the stage, whatever it is. It's like if all we love about church is the fellowship aspect, and I'm not saying it's not important because it's very important, but church can't be treated like a club where we just kind of show up to hang out. I don't know that that's the type of worship our God is going to be pleased with. Number three this morning, and we see this in Cain, and we're going to get into it. Can we go on to verse six? Sin is most often a slow progression. 
I think sometimes we, we use those terms, it's like somebody was backsliding or someone just fell into sin, like they just tripped and all of a sudden I did whatever, right? You know, rarely it's like we just trip. Usually it's a, a slow burn. Usually we nudge closer and closer to the line before we cross it, right? We mentioned last week that faith is acting and living and being, like acting like God is telling the truth. We believe God exists often, but it's easy to fall into the trap. We believe God exists, but I don't want to actually do anything about it. I don't want to actually get uncomfortable about it, right? And like Cain, if we're not careful, we want to test God's limits. There's something going on. I want to talk about the heart, the heart issue, and we see this in ourselves, if you're a parent, honestly, you, you probably see it in your kids, like we want to do what we want to do. Culturally, we want to do what we want to do. We want to, who we want to do it with, like you're not allowed to tell me anything that's truth. It's, it's my truth, and that goes totally against like when the Bible says that your heart will deceive you, right? But there's something going on in the heart of Cain that if we aren't careful, I believe it will show up in me. Um, if, if we're not careful, I believe it'll show up in us, in you. The heart of Cain, if we aren't careful, if we don't let the Holy Spirit come and examine us and convict us and change us, it will show up in the church today, and it has shown up. It'll show up in many believers today. Verse 6, here we go, and can, I think we can relate to this. I just want to like say this to culture all the time, right? Verse 6, would you read it with me? Cain, why are you so... Does anybody ever think that about the world today? Cain, why are you so angry the Lord asked, and then he says this, why do you look, look dejected? Some translations say his, his countenance fell. Have you ever seen someone that, man, they are so angry, it's like they can't, they can't breathe, they can't stand up straight. They just, it's like they are so mad about something, it affects their entire physical countenance. I don't believe Cain immediately was so bitter that he was just like, immediately I'm gonna go whack my brother. I'm going to go take him out and kill him. I think there was something going on in his heart this whole time. There was a, a slow burn. There was some slow bitterness that was building. There was a root going on inside of him that was left unaddressed. It says he hung his head. He became discouraged. Today we would say he got really depressed. Right? And we see that all around us. We would say his, his depression, his negative emotions began to dominate him so much so that we're going to see him in a moment take action let's get back into the word Are you still with me can we read verse seven can we read verse seven i think i rushed that let's read verse seven here we go you will be accepted cain if you do what is right but if you refuse to do what is right then watch out church the bible is clear about what is right isn't it right? Like our worship will be accepted if we do what is right. He says, but if you refuse to do what is right, watch out. Sin is crouching at the door. It's eager to control you, but you must subdue it and be its master. I, I love that scripture. Sin is it's crouching at the door. It's just, it's just knocking at the door. How many of you, like, you just have too many Amazon packages being delivered to the house all the time? Husbands, that's your chance to say amen, right? Although we don't want to start any trouble here, right? 
But think of that like the constant knock. I love that analogy. Like sin is crouching at the door. It's knocking. It's waiting. It's just, just crack it open. Just, just open the door a little bit. And it's waiting to get you. It's waiting to take you. And Cain, his worship became so disconnected that eventually he lost control of his emotions. And when he lost control of his emotions, we're going to see that he then lost control of his actions. It was like his worship was off and then his emotions were off and then his actions become evil. Does that sound a little bit like the world we live in today? Sin, it's knocking. It's waiting. It's crouching at the door. I think sometimes I was so challenged by Christopher's message weeks ago when he talked about the lighthouse never being surprised by a storm. Right? A lighthouse never being surprised by the fact that it needs to occasionally turn on its light in the darkness. And yet sometimes as Christians, that is how we act. We act just as surprised or just as angry about sin as culture does and as the world does. But church, we have a kingdom job. We have, I I mean, think of where God placed us in this moment in history, in this moment of time. He placed, like we believe God placed you here for an assignment, right? You can get on Instagram all you want, but like how much time, how much percentage of our day do we waste comparing ourselves to someone else who's doing something else and we think we should be like them and doing what they're doing, but that in fact is the totally opposite of what God has called you to do because God has placed you where he's placed you. He's inserted you at this moment in history to be uniquely you and made to worship him with your gifts, with your talents. This, this time of history, it's like it seems to me, especially after the unique years that we have had, it seems like things like depression, um, it seems like self-harm and teenage suicide, it seems like despair, it seems like pain inflicted on innocent people, it seems like people are angry, it seems like we have record frustration, record depression, it seems like (laughs) record amounts of people just ticked for whatever reason, it seems like it's really hard to just get along. Right? And we have, we do have ways. I think we have things that can help, right? I think of like, is anybody here like, we, we got to go to a wonderful concert the other day. And I loved going to that show. It was like for two hours, we just got to like space out and listen to this group, King and Country, hit the drums. And it was like, all was well in the world, right? For that, it's like, it's amazing that we can have those type of experiences. Or man, I, like therapy or, or psychiatrists, people like, there are times where we need, like medicine can really help. It, it needs to be taken, right? There are times where there are things that can calm us. There are times when loss and hurt and brokenness and a trauma, whatever it is, there's times where past experiences are so hurtful and they're so great that honestly there are moments where we really, really do need to seek professional help and we need to like express that that is a great thing, that that is an essential thing, that that is a good thing. But as Christ followers, I think we need to also acknowledge Another thing as well is that there are times where the root cause of our situation is a separation from God. A separation from of, of avoiding uh, an avoidance of Christ, an avoidance of Jesus, right? An avoidance of recognizing that we have a living hope, that we have a sacrifice that was good enough once and for all because of Jesus. He is that answer. He is that prescription. He is that bridge, the only prescription that can fill the gap between 
a holy God in a broken man. He's the only only thing, he's the only bridge that can fill that gap. And we look at Cain, his worship became so detached from God, who his father knew and his mother knew, that his emotions became a total mess. Verse 8, let's look at this. One day Cain suggested to his brother, let's go out into the fields. And while they were in the field, look at this church. Cain attacked his brother. He attacked Abel and he murdered him. This jealousy, his worship, his emotions, his depression, his worship was wrong, his emotions were on, his, his were wrong, and his actions were evil. Does that scripture sound true now? Sin is what? Sin is crouching. It's just knocking. It's knocking at the door, waiting for you to crack it open, waiting for you to let your emotions set fire to someone's life, waiting for you. How many of you can honestly say, it's like this is an interesting topic, right, for another day maybe, but how many of you can honestly say, you know, I love God, I have a relationship with Jesus, and yet I, I just, I like leave here and I have a hard time, like I still just cuss throughout the week. And sometimes we think this is like a little thing, right, but sometimes we think like, I just, I just, they could be little words, right? We love to rank our swear words, right? Do we do that? You guys are like, never. Never. It wasn't at least that one, right? But how many think of something just like our, our, our speech? Here, here's, here's the challenge for you this, this morning. Like, you need to recognize if your words are off, your worship is off. Like, your, your, your worship is off before your words got off track, right? Your, your emotions got off because your worship was off. Your addiction is out of control because your worship is, is off. It's not pleasing, right? It's like this immorality gets out of control, addictions, right? And, and, we, and, and then before we know it, it's like we are just raging with anger. And like Cain, we're just like Cain. We're just raging on the inside. Look at verse 9. Afterward, the Lord asked Cain, where is your brother? Note to self, where is Abel, he says. And, and man, I'm getting close to a, a certain birthday that I don't even want to talk about. Um, because birthdays, I've never been excited about birthdays, but this one I'm really not as excited about. It starts with a four and ends with a zero, right? I mean, it's like, come on now, I don't know what happened. But, um, yeah, listen, listen to that kid, right? Um, you know what's interesting, and this goes for you too, Declan, right? We love him, we love him. Kids in the house, if you're, if you're that age or all the way up to my age or any age, Church, would you agree with this? When God asks you a question, when you feel the Holy Spirit asking you something, and you might be like, well, I don't know how to hear God speak. That could be a less, lesson for another day. But here in Scripture, God says, Cain, where is your brother? Where is Abel? Kids, when you feel something inside you, God convicting you, challenging you, questioning you, how many of you, you, you need to, here's just a little tip on life. Recognize right away, God already knows the answer. Parents in the house, grandparents, say amen, right? Anytime like the Holy Spirit challenges you in church with a thought or a question, God knows the answer. He wants you to understand the answer, right? He wants you to recognize the truth, the answer. He wants you to speak it like, Cain, where is your brother? And look at his response. Uh, I don't know, God. He should have, like Adam and Eve already tried that with God, right? I don't know. And then he gets smart with them. This is where you just need to smack your kid, right? No, like Cain, not, 
we can do it too. I mean, so, no, I'm kidding. <laughs> Cain, was, look at him get smart. He says, he gets smart with God. This is crazy. Look at Cain's heart. Am I my brother's keeper? Not only did he lie to him, then he gets, he gets mouthy. He says, God, where, where is your brother Abel? Where is your brother? Where is Abel? I don't know, Cain responds. Am I my brother's guardian? I think Cain thought he had gotten away with it, don't you think? I think Cain thought, like, probably buried him out in the field. He worked the field, got away with it. Maybe he just disappeared, and then God shows up, doesn't he? Verse 10, but the Lord said, what have you done? Listen, your brother's blood cries out to me from the ground. Now you're cursed, and you're banished from the ground, which has swallowed your brother's blood. No longer will the ground yield good crops for you, Cain. No matter how hard you work, from now on you will be a homeless wanderer in the earth. Scripture goes on to say that God's vengeance came for Cain, right? Like the blood of the innocent is crying out. Your brother's blood cries out to me from the ground. I love that scripture even says like there's things we can take comfort even in hard weeks that we've seen when Jesus himself said, you know, it is better for someone to have never been born if they're going to hurt a child, right? I mean, like the, I, sometimes I love the Old Testament because Cain, if you read ahead a couple of verses, the Bible says that Cain wasn't even, God wasn't even going to allow Cain to die because he, want, he was going to make him experience his own vengeance against him. He wasn't going to allow enemies to end Cain's misery. He's going to repay this vengeance. While Cain, look in verse 13, Cain cries out, God, my punishment, it's too much for me to bear. And there's a little bit of Italian or Irish or whatever I am, there's a little bit in me that loves the fact that Cain gets what he deserves in this story. Right? Sometimes I love the Old Testament. It's too much to bear and God says, no, 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 no. You ain't seen nothing yet going to be miserable for you and it all started but here here we go as we kind of wrap this up today what started this problem here's what I think it was it was Cain's worship was off his his worship led to his emotions his emotions led to his actions his worship placed his needs ahead of what God his, his wants we should say His worship placed what he wanted ahead of what God wanted. It all started right there in the heart. He didn't live out that that Matthew 6, 33, right? Seek first what? Whose kingdom? His kingdom and his righteousness and all these things will be added unto you. Isn't it interesting how we seem to run into so many problems when we just seek things? We seek things. We seek things. We don't seek kingdom. We don't seek righteousness. We don't seek holiness, but we keep seeking things, and then we wonder why things aren't working for us. Isn't that interesting, right? We're going to get ready to close with a song, and and it's kind of, it's a cool little special that we have put together for you, and it's a song by Lauren Daigle. It's called Hold On To Me. There's some amazing lyrics in this song, and here's what I want you to do, though, before we begin to play it. I want you to think about a few things during this performance. Would you get your smartphone out? Would you get your notepad out? Would you write down this question? Here's what I want you to be thinking about as they, kind of as they minister to us through art, through dance, through song, through lyrics. I want you to listen to the lyrics. But here's what I want you to write down. God, what does my worship look like to you? Would you write that down in your smartphone today? That could be the only note you take away today. God, what does my worship look like to you? Is my worship centered on you 
or is it centered on something else? God, am I here today for you or am I here for some other reason, right? The Bible says it like this, and I think it's the book of Jude. It says, is your worship going the way of Cain? And man, that is a checkup for each of us today. I think about that. Is, is my worship going the way of Cain? So as we get into this song that says, hold on to me, I want to encourage this church to hold on to his truth, to hold on to his word, to not hold on to what people say, right? But to hold on to what God says. Let's check it out and then we will close in just a moment. When the best of me is barely breathing When I'm not somebody I believe in Hold on to me When I miss the light, the night is stolen When I'm slamming all the doors you've opened Hold on to me Hold on to me Hold on to me when it's too dark to see you When I am sure I have reached the end Hold on to me
we thank these wonderful young ladies for blessing us today and joining us. I was thinking about this song. It says, hold on to me, right? Hold on to me. And as we, we, we talk about Cain and we talk about Abel and their worship being off, I think there's a reality that sets in for us today as we close. And here's, here's the question. I think some of us may not realize that our worship is not pleasing God. I think it's even possible that many of us might not, we might not even realize like we have a little bit of false religion, false hope, like it's, it's false because we're coming to God on our terms and we're worshiping Him how we would like to worship Him and, and we're worshiping Him how, how we would like to please Him. But the reality when we do that, it's, it's going the way of Cain because we're giving God what's left over. We're not giving God what's first we're not giving God what is actually true sacrifice. One of the last lines in that song, if you caught it, if you're able to kind of listen to those lyrics, it, it, it said, I could rest here in your arms forever. And it says, because I know nobody loves me better. When we talk about worship, worshiping like Abel, it's involving God in our offering, but it's, it's like what the Bible says, it's, it's giving our, our bodies, that Romans 12, right? Offering ourselves as a living sacrifice. If it's not a living sacrifice, if it's not everything, right? If it's not something that we will miss, if it's not challenging, then odds are it's not worship. Colossians 3, chapter, verse 1, it says, Since you've been raised to new life with Christ, set your sights on the realities of heaven. Church, let that, let that scripture, let God just deal with you on that one. Since you've been raised, you have a new life with Christ, so set your sights on the realities of heaven, the hope of heaven. Where Christ sits in the place of honor at God's right hand, right? Jesus is appealing for us today, making an appeal at the right hand of the Father. Verse 2, think about the things of heaven, not the things of earth. For you died to this life, and your real life is hidden with Christ in God, right? I think so many times, church, our, our worship, we come and it, it involves thinking about the things of earth. And you know what? The things of earth are broken. The things of earth are sinful. The things of earth are sad. The things of earth are heart-wrenching. The things of earth are, are evil. We've seen it. But as we close, I want to pray. That, that kind of that, that final line, that final hook, hold on to me. Can we say it like this? Church, as we worship him, Let's hold on to heaven. Let's hold on to his promise. Let's not hold on to what you think in your heart to be true. Culture says it's something like this, right? Live your truth. What on earth? Right? Right? It's, it's your truth. And whatever your truth is is okay. That actually is totally, <laughs> that's totally not found in Scripture. Hold on to his promise. Hold on to the hope of heaven. Don't hold on to what the media says. Don't hold on to what people say. Don't even hold on to what leaders say if what they're saying isn't biblical, right? But I would say this as we close, as we worship, let's cling to God's way. And really, the, the issue for us, church, is God's cure for our brokenness. God's cure for our, 
Can we say empty worship, non-sacrificial worship, going the way of Cain style worship? God's cure, it can only be found in realigning, realigning our priorities, realigning our worship, realigning our spirit with God's way. Can we bow our heads? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, God, we come to you today, and Lord, we thank you for this gathering, for this time. Lord, we thank you that we can be in your house. As we close and as we pray, I just want to do a bit of, um, can we just say a spiritual checkup, a spiritual audit, a spiritual question? With our heads bowed and our eyes closed, I just want to ask you this question. Are you giving God a sacrifice of worship? Are you giving him Abel-style worship? Are you giving him the first of anything, the first of your time, the first of your talent, the first of your energy, uh, the first of, of your treasure? Because the Bible's clear, that's, that's what he seeks. Or are we giving God the convenient leftovers? The convenient Sunday I'm able to be here, the convenient time I'm able to arrive, the convenient blase fair attitude. God, what am I, am I giving you the first of my thoughts, my energy, my heart? Maybe there's some of us here that we've never given God our heart and asked him into our heart or we've never even considered our soul situation. 2 Corinthians 5.17, it says, when someone becomes a Christian, he becomes a brand new person on the inside. He is not the same, but now a new life has begun. Where are you at with Jesus today as we close? I want to ask you this question. Who is Jesus to you? I said earlier, he is that bridge, he is that medicine, he is that prescription for a pathway to the king. Jesus himself said, I am the way, the truth, and the life, that no one comes to the Father but by me. When he was on that cross, there was a thief there next to him, and that thief couldn't raise a hand, he couldn't even get off the cross or get done, get down. All that thief do, could do was wait for his death, and as he waited for his death, he, he said to Jesus, would you remember me when you come into your kingdom? And Jesus responded, he said, I tell you the truth, surely today you will be with me in paradise. As we close today, I want to ask that simple question. Would you like Jesus to remember you? Scripture tells us he's at the right hand of the Father, appealing for you, speaking to you. Maybe you've never asked Jesus to guide you, to come into your heart. Maybe you've never acknowledged him. Maybe years and years ago you did it as a teenager. Maybe you, you kind of took your college years off. Maybe you've kind of been far away from him. Acknowledging Jesus does mean changing. And maybe there's some of you here today that you realize you want to change. You need to change. You've got to change. If that's you this morning, if you want to acknowledge Jesus, one of the ways we do it, we lift our eyes, we lift our hand. I want to just encourage you. Is there anybody here that wants to acknowledge Jesus in this house and says, I need to change? I need to come back or I need to come to him for the first time. If you want to change, would you slip your hand into the air? Would you make eye contact with me? I'm going to count to three and just do it. That's one of the ways we acknowledge him. Simple way to acknowledge what's going on in your heart is just doing it in the physical. Would you lift your hand or would you lift your eyes? One, two, three. Would you acknowledge him? Anybody here? I see you over there. I see you over there. Anybody on this side? Right? We need to come back to him. I see you back there. Oh, I see some over here. Yes, I see you over here. For those hands, those four or five hands that went up, and maybe you lifted your eyes. Maybe you're at home watching on the, on the YouTube, on the, on the cameras. Can we pray this prayer, everybody in the house? Church, let's say this. Jesus, I open up my life to you. Would you say that? Come on. 
I ask you to be my Savior. I ask you to forgive me. Jesus, I ask you to guide me. Come on, let's say it, church. God, help me learn your word. Help me apply it. Help me trust in you. But God, most of all, I want to change today. So make me brand new. I ask you to lead me. Let's say it. I ask you to guide me. Jesus, I ask you to be in charge of my life. In your name, all God's people in the house, can we say amen? Can we applaud him? Can we praise him? Can we say, Jesus, we want our worship to be pleasing to you. We want to come back to you. Amen? Thank you for joining us today, and a special thanks to those who give to Cornerstone. You know, it's because of you, our ministry, it's possible. Uh, You can click the link in the description to give now or visit us at cornerstonelv.com. And if you enjoyed the podcast, you can subscribe, you can share it with friends, share it with family, help us spread God's word. You can also join us live every Sunday. We invite you, 9 a.m. or 11 a.m. We stream service live. Thank you again for listening.